we made it to episode two. So first of all, my crew, do you think we're gonna have a good show today? I think so. Feeling much better than last time. Much better, what happened last time? Eye lines are hard. We okay. do a lot of to camera shoots and, okay. and we screwed up, but they're, they're, they're in the right place. We had a flip one shot. Yeah, You're telling me that the cameras were in the wrong spot. Oh. Yeah, you could say that. Okay, But now great. we're in the right spot. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good, good, perfect. And of course we have our live studio audience here with us. Thank you for being here live studio audience. So I am very, very excited because we have an amazing interview for you with Nancy Dassault-Smith. Nancy was the first marketer at iRobot and she helped launch Roomba, the world's first robotic vacuum. And today she's the head of marketing at Hydro. Hydro is like the Peloton for rowing. You get this beautiful rowing machine and then when you're using it, when you're rowing away, there's actually someone doing a live class from the water. They're based here in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, you can see if there's storms, if it's raining, they are out there in there. So it's incredible motivation. One of the other things you may not know about hydro and about rowing in general, it works 86% of the body's muscles. Can you believe that? Now here's something you don't see very often. We actually do a lot of internal brand moments at Wistia that you never see. And I want to show you one today. So we released 110 100 last year, a feature-length documentary where we gave Sandwich Video $111,000 to make three ads for us. One with a $1,000 budget, one with a $10,000 budget, one with a $100,000 budget. We thought, you know what? This is a web series, but we should turn it into a VHS. So we did. Um, it's got a full dust jacket, and I'm told, I'm told this actually plays. Is that true? It does. That, that is pretty cool. It plays, everyone. Now, before we get into this incredible interview with Nancy Dussault-Smith, I want to check back in on how things are going as we try to build that brand wagon. Good morning. Good morning. Cameras, cameras everywhere, and none for me to record on because I have no SD cards. And you're still in your towel. Okay, we have five and a half hours to get this thing. Is that really how long it takes to get there? I think so. You know I'm always down for a road trip. We got in that car, I was like, woo! Like, spirits are so high when you're just with your friends in the car, it was great. By the time we got to Pennsylvania, I was starving. You know you're in Pennsylvania when you're at a Wawa having lunch. Dan, what are you munching on? Turkey. Steve, what are you munching on? Turkey. Huh, a couple turkeys over here. Gobble, gobble. Here we are, car chair. Where do I go here? Uh, this is what he said, it might be a little tricky. We're looking and we're looking, it's like, where's Karcher? And all of a sudden it's like, what? It's this place behind all the cones? With all these cones, I was like, what? Is this a driving school or a construction zone? Can I fit between that, you think? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, how do I get in here? Oh, we wanted to go right there. There's the guy. There's Dave. Second I saw Dave, I was like, this guy. I like this guy. All right, let's go look at a car. <laughs> Me here, right? This is Dan. Hey, nice to meet you. How you doing? Wow. Look at this baby. We purchased it in Texas and um, it was uh, delivered to us on the car carrier. As advertised, this car is choice. You're telling me this thing's from 1991? It looks incredible. Uh, we did some suspension work, exhaust, timing belt, water pump, and some suspension. Oh, you did a timing belt too? Timing belt. Okay, new timing belt. This car is gonna last forever. You mind uh, popping the hood? Oh yeah, of course. Ooh. Ooh. Wow, this thing is clean. Yeah, the wires are new. 
they're definitely not original. This is new. This has definitely been serviced. It's a Texas car. So. Cool. All right. Should work. <laughs> you hear that? That's the Dave seal of approval here. All right. <clears throat> cool. All right. Man. We can take it out when you're ready. Everything's going so fast and all of a sudden it's like, do you want to drive it? We're like, yes, get me in that car. I don't really know what I'm looking at, but this car seems sturdy. I think it's a dream come true. Let's see how it drives. Woo, shifts, shifts pretty nice. It is a very forgiving clutch. <laughs> oh man, the, the blinker is so good. Really? <laughs> oh my God. I was only in the back, but I could tell Chris, he was loving it. It's, it's so heavy. It's kind of all over the road, but it feels, it drives great. Clutch felt good. Steering felt good. Cold air conditioning, this is the car. We'll take it. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Definitely the brand way. Sign the title, give them the check, let's go. Signed, sealed, delivered, this car is ours. Hey, Chris, with you. This is the brand Wow, so we have a new car that is older than most of the people who work at Wistia. Yeah. The car is 28 years old, 1991 Volvo 240 wagon. We are the proud owners of this thing. Okay, and it drives, or what's the deal with this thing? It drives great. Okay. We got a little bit of body roll. Okay. But not an ounce of rust on it, and it's blowing cold air out of the AC. I mean, what more could you ask for? Wow. Yeah. They're impressed. Yeah. Uh, what are you most excited about with this car? You know, I'm most excited to take this thing and turn it into Wistia's car. Right now, it's, it's a blank canvas. It's a you know, 91 Volvo 240 in champagne color. Ooh. But we need to make it Wistia's 91 Ooh. Volvo. So that's what's next. That is what's next. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what we have uh, in store. As am I. I can't wait to see that. Well, we'll be jumping into that interview with Nancy DeSoe-Smith right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by DeFrancesco's Clothier, the most trusted name in on-camera attire. DeFrancesco's. We pride ourselves in sourcing the most breathable woven fabrics, making our shirts the number one choice for staying cool under the hot lights of the studio. DeFrancesco's. At DeFrancesco's, we design our shirts with lapel mics in mind. So not only will you look good, but you'll sound good. DeFrancesco's Clothier. If it's not a DeFrancesco, it's not a shirt. When Nancy said she'd do the show, I was super excited. She's actually local. We've never had a chance to chat before, but she's worked on some amazing companies. She helped define Roomba, and now she's working at Hydro, and they're up to some pretty cool things, and I think they're going to be huge. So here we go. Let's jump right into the interview with Nancy DeSoe-Smith. Nancy, thank you so much for joining me today on Brandwagon. Super excited that you're here. My pleasure. You're going to Wimbledon. I am. That's so exciting. So exciting. Yeah. I don't think they're going to let me play. <laughs> well, you can always run onto I'm, the court. I'm not going to lie. I'm bringing the racket <laughs> just in case. So, Nancy, tell me your story. Sure, sure. So, um, I started working in the early days at iRobot. I kind of got there in a funny way in that uh, I had been 
pitching the company to buy some things and then um, really just wanted to work there. It was like this really cool place. But they didn't have any jobs opening open for sales and marketing. It was just all engineers. Um, so hounded them, hounded them. Finally, got a call back saying they were hiring for the assistant to the attorney. Okay. Right, which I'm clearly not. But I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> I lasted about a month um, in that role. Wow. But what was great about it in that startup culture was that I was able to add value and grow very quickly within that environment. And so one of the early successes was probably the team who decided against calling it CyberSuck and decided Cyber to call suck? it. CyberSuck? Yes. CyberSuck was the original name <laughs> we were looking at. Um, and yeah, really happy with the decision to hire a naming be, company to yeah, come up with Roomba. It's a bunch of CyberSucks going It's around. all about the CyberSuck, mm. you know, because what, very descriptive. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So then I went. Cyber, it's the future. Th this is, so it does say tech, right? Yeah, what it says, says tech, it says more tech. Than cyber, it says tech. And then it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it you does. got cyber. It's doing sucks. what it says. Yeah, it makes you know sense. I understand. Right? It's marketing 101. Yeah. Descriptive. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> so went for my robot, ran global marketing there for about 12, 12 13 years. And it was an amazing experience. And then um, went on to work at Jibo for a while, which was phenomenal. And then from there, went to Hydro. And Hydro was really amazing because there's a lot of people that I worked with before in other companies who were there who brought me in and said, this thing has something and we want you to create a way to tell the world about it. When you have a product that people have never seen before, mm -hmm. how do you actually convince them that it's worth checking out? How do you position a product that has never existed? I mean, you obviously yeah. did that with Roomba. Yeah. Um, you're kind of doing it again. How yeah. do you think about that? So it's really fun because... Um, Traditional research doesn't work, mostly because I remember doing research on Roomba, and we went to a bunch of people and said, what would a robot vacuum look like? And everybody drew a humanoid pushing an upright, right? Like their perception of it, same with like Henry Ford's thing, if you wanted to build a faster vehicle, you'd got more horses, right? You're not going to build a car. Like they didn't know how to do this. So you have to tell people what they want and why, and getting to the essence of making them feel like they can what is it that it's going to take to make them love your product? One of the things with Roomba in the early days was we were really surprised by how the group of people who started using Roomba were not the people we initially thought. Hmm. So when you say robot vacuum cleaner, mm -hmm. which by the way, initially we called it an intelligent floor vac because robot was scary to people. And you didn't want to do CyberSuck. Right. CyberSuck was out. <laughs> CyberSuck, bad. CyberSuck, bad. Roomba, yeah. Roomba, good. Roomba, good. Yeah. And people were... The people who were the earliest adopters of it were older people with heart conditions. Apparently, if you have a heart condition, pushing a vacuum is dangerous. Wow. It's actually hard, and it's and so they're told not to do it, but they wanted to maintain independence and have people over their home and maintain a clean home. So the need was there. Mm. And because it did this for them, and then it started with its own personality kind of moving about, and the things that we infused within the brand of the little noises that he made and all the fun things there, they started to anthropomorphize it, right? Mm. So over 60% named Roomba. And it was like this. Really? Yeah. Everybody was you know, giving it its names. And so they just loved it, even if it broke. This was another early finding, right? We didn't know. We thought people were going to use it once a week like they did an upright. Yeah. Nope. They were using it four times a week. Yeah. Died four times faster than we anticipated. Interesting. Right? So we had robot failures. We had all these problems. But people loved it. So figuring out how we took what they loved of it, the independence, mm -hmm. the personality associated with it, and brought it to a larger market. Interesting. Right? So figuring out the wow moment and, and amplifying it. So like when he would back up off of his home base... We made him say, like, beep, 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 like a big truck backing up because he had big personality. Mm -hmm. When you would pick him up, the noise was like, whoa-oh, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. It sounds like he's saying, uh-oh. Mm -hmm. So even though Roomba didn't speak, he communicated mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. And it gave them the sense that he was yeah. alive. The number one thing they used to say was he was their earnest little helper, which was really an interesting term that marketers can do a lot with. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. So, and when we look at what we're doing with, with Hydro right now, we found all these interesting little hooks that we use now more so in our marketing. So the rational is the 86 two times as fast, right? 86% yeah. of muscles twice as fast. That's our rational message. Our emotional is about the connectivity. And so when you think about it, you're really going in here saying there's going to be a rational moment why people buy mm -hmm. and there's going to be an irrational or an emotional. An emotional. Um, mm -hmm. I'll call it irrational. <laughs> I think that's good. I mean, we're all yeah. driven by emotion. We, we um, are. And if you want to build a great brand, yeah. there has to be an emotional component to it. Yeah. If you don't care, what's the point? So it, you can be the, the, the cheapest thing. If your goal is to just sell volume and be the cheapest thing, you do not have to worry about emotion. You're selling solely on price. But if you want to build a brand that people care about, you have to have that emotional component. So I've been doing Wistia for 13 years. Wow. And one of the things that I have seen is that how you market and the, the tools for marketers is like, has to constantly change. Yes. How do you, what advice would you give to somebody who's starting out and in today's world, like what are the things that they should expect as they're marketing that are probably gonna stay the same? And what are the things that are gonna probably change? Right, so the big thing for staying the same is studying human behavior, right? Because people, um, their needs, their ultimate needs and wants are consistent, right? There are some things that we all want and need, right? Attention, affection, food, and all that, I'm not gonna mention sex, but there's, there's things, right, yeah. that everybody wants and needs. Those are the things that drive people to want and need your product, right? The emotional and rational balance and where your product fits in that, right? And when that buying decision, how that works. That stuff is the same. That's kind of the stuff that you have to figure out. How you then get that out, that's all changed, right? So understanding your benefit, understanding your core, who's going to buy it, why, that's the basics of marketing. So that's like the connection, the brand the connection, connection yeah. the connection of the product. Why like, do people want this, Yeah. right? What's the why? Yeah. The how is completely different. Yes. We market it, right? Yeah. So when I started with Roomba, like I said, we didn't even have social media. Yeah. It wasn't a thing, right? Like, it wasn't there. So now it's a huge part of our marketing budget. It's a huge, even just the social media, adver digital advertising. If you're not advertising on Facebook, you're crazy, right? If you have a consumer product, you have to be there, right? So knowing how that mix works, all of the different places, um, how that all, it's all changing. And every year there's something new. I feel like the speed that the platforms are, new opportunities and new channels yeah. are coming is faster and faster. Totally. But it's also like they rise faster, they fall faster. Totally. And the other thing that I think has changed a lot too is the show me, don't tell me, right? Mm -hmm. We're in a world that's visual, yeah. right? People need to see it. People aren't reading a lot of stuff anymore, but they're consuming tremendous amounts of video. YouTube, right, being this top search engine. People just, they want to see it. They want to be entertained. Ads that are entertaining get shared. People share ads Yeah. if they're entertaining. No, it is. Us. I feel like that's so true. If something's remarkable, you will share it. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, we've obviously seen the same thing happen here in a very unique way, I think, because we're a video company. Yeah. But where people just trust that it's harder to make a video, mm -hmm. it's harder to fake it. Mm -hmm. And so the stuff that's in there is more real. And there's, in, today, obviously, we're more accepting of authenticity over you know, polish. And so totally. we live in a world where you can't see it moving. You can't see people talking about it. It's hard to believe. It's so easy to write the words 
And it's, it's a lot harder to do that. And I think we kind of all instinctually know it now. The challenge is drinking from the fire hose, not having too much, not trying to do too much, right? Because yeah. then you're just going to drown. Yeah. So there's so many options out there to you. Knowing how to focus on what's going to move the needle of what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to market and what you're trying to build is so important. Um, having those layers. How important is it to focus on a niche audience when you're figuring out how to market a product? It's, it's one of the most important things is to understand the people that your story is going to resonate with and it can't resonate with everyone. And people, every CEO wants it to be vanilla. They want, you don't want to offend anyone. You want it to be everybody, but it can't be, right? Because if you're vanilla, right, who's going to, nobody's going to bat for you. Yeah. Nobody's going to bat for vanilla, right? But if you're Rocky Road, you're, some people are going to love you and other people, you're not their thing. And do you think you, you just have to constantly be searching for that, like to find the rocky roads. Totally. And you're going to get the backlash. Like there are always going to be naysayers, right? There are always going to be people who are saying bad things. There are always going to be people who are against your brand. And for the most part, I don't care if they're a customer I don't want, right? So I don't want every customer. My favorite thing though, I'm going to go on a little tangent, is when CEOs say, well, how do you control who buys the product? Because there are some people I don't want to buy it. Okay, but raise my sales number. Yeah. Okay, right? Like you still have to sell all of these things, but we only want people who are going to say good things about us. Yeah. Right? I, and I'm not necessarily a believer in that because by somebody saying that they hate it actually identifies with other people that this is not for them or this is for them because Bob hates it. Yes. Right? I have yeah. friends who are like, oh my God, I hated that movie because they swore so much. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. I'm all about it. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can use that information to judge whether or not it's something that's going to offend or something. Totally. I'm gonna like. I think that's such a great way to look at it too, especially with the haters that like yeah. there's going to be haters and what you want people, you want the haters to be the people who should be haters. Yeah. That where your target audience looks at them hating it exactly as you said, and they're like, yep, great. I, that means I probably won't want I'm it. I'm so love glad that. Bob hates that. that because he's yeah. an idiot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Like I'm all about that. Taylor Swift says, haters are going to hate, hate, hate. And I'm all about it. Hate away. When you're taking those risks mm-hmm. and you're getting comfortable with them, you've taken these risks before and you've built up the muscle, how do you convince the people around you to mm. be, feel comfortable with those risks? Especially if they're not involved day to day or they only hear about it. Because like a lot of the best stuff is going to be totally new and totally different. And, yeah. and it can feel really scary. Like, How do you help those people that are also in the organization that are not directly involved, but are watching it? Like, how do you help them get yeah, comfortable? Yeah, it's a great question because it's a battle every day, <laughs> right? And anywhere you go, right? Because there are people who, understanding how different minds work and understanding consumers you have to use in your day-to-day in the office as well. So I look at everybody across the C-suite um, sitting at the executive table with me as my consumer. And how am I going to convince them that what we're doing is the right thing? Um, I used to always say it um, at places where I had bigger bigger budgets that a certain percentage of the budget was mine to do with as I chose and nobody could question it. It's a small percentage. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I have I take this 5 or 10% and this is what I play with. This is where I test things that I in my gut feel are right, but I can't prove to you until I try it. Right? You have to give me that. The other stuff, super measurable, super whatever, and we're going to go in these directions, but give me those. And that's where a lot of big wins come in. I think that's such a cool point, too, of saying, in your budget, just take 5 or 10% of it yes. and up front. Because if you don't do that up front, everyone's going to be like, well, what would you do with that budget? Totally. Like, or, why yeah. is this budget, why aren't we measuring this the same way? Versus like, exactly. give me this small thing. Because it, it doesn't take much to be able to take, I think, really big risks mm-hmm. if you coordinate off and you say, that's what this is. That's exactly it. And I'm not going to use this against my numbers, right? This is... 
This is for us to try and test. Um, and some great wins have come from that for me, right? We did some really fun things with those little budgets um, that moved the needle in some cases. And then we can invest the bigger money in it. Um, but until you try, it's not going to happen. Wow. Nancy is just the coolest. One of the things that really stood out to me in this interview was Nancy's concept that it's actually really helpful to have people who are haters of your brand. It's a good sign that you have a strong brand. An example of this is I actually have a secret love of disaster movies. San Andreas with The Rock, have you seen it? It's like the best thing out there. But my buddy, John Quattrochi, he loves obscure foreign documentaries. If John recommends a movie to me, I know I will hate it. And if I recommend a movie to him, I know he'll probably hate it, but that's okay because it makes it easier for me to figure out what to watch. So that's episode two of Brandwagon. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you to the crew. And thank you to the live studio audience. And we'll see you next time. Next time on Brandwagon, Chris interviews Dan Kennedy, co-founder and CEO of Harpoon Brewing Company. We also have a very magical guest stop by the studio.